0: Welcome to the Talent Development Hot Seat. I'm your host, Andy Storch. This is a show where we can come together to help each other learn and grow and develop more influence and impact in the world. And you know, I am all about helping you do that with the conversations that I have on here both the solo episodes and the dialogues, the interviews, the conversations we're having with all kinds of experts, thought leaders, and people who are right in it, doing it just like you. And I've got a great guest for you today. Today's topic is centered kind of around building a new L&D department or starting L&D startup, but really it's about influencing stakeholders and it's about assessing needs. And this is something that I believe is relevant for just about everybody out there in the L&D world. If you're creating programs, you need to start by assessing the needs of your people, of your company, of your stakeholders, and then you need to be able to influence those stakeholders if you are going to be putting programs into place, you're gonna be getting funding, resources, people, man hours, whatever you call it. If you need these things, you're going to need to have influence. And how do you build that influence? How do you assess the needs correctly to make sure that you're creating the right solutions and then get people to actually show up for those programs? Well, that is what today's episode is all about. My guest today is Tom Bowen, who leads learning and development at Gym, which is a talent engagement platform. He is a lifelong learner with a passion for helping others unlock their hidden potential. Tom has 15 years of L&D experience and spent over a decade Abroad, predominantly in Seoul, South Korea, with stints in India and Europe. Having been the first L&D hire at his last five companies, he thrives in the zero to one phase of building an L&D strategy and programs. And when he's not building programs, Tom spends his time exploring California with his partner, three young kids, and (laughs) Sheepadoodle. I forgot to ask him about his Sheepadoodle in this interview, but I know you're gonna enjoy this conversation. Like I said, we cover a lot of great topics Around influence, building, all of that stuff. So I hope you enjoy it and they'll let me know what you think. Enjoy. I am joined now by Tom Bowen, who leads LD at Jim, which is a talent engagement platform. And Tom, I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. Welcome.
1: Same, same. I've been listening for a very long time, Andy.
0: I know. We first connected when you came to the first talent development think tank conference back in, it uh, was originally planned in 2019, ended up happening in January, 2020, got to meet then and have kept in touch. You've been a member for quite some time in our Talent Development Think Tank community and just added a, a ton of value there. Always have really insightful stuff to share. So it's like a long time coming that we finally get
1: you on the podcast. Yeah. And I, I got to say again, the the from the conference to the Think Tank and the, just the network that you built of really, really thoughtful and intentional talent development leaders, I've gotten so much benefit from the work that you've led and and the community and network that you've built. So thank you.
0: Yeah, you're welcome. I'm really happy to hear that. And I've just, I don't know, very lucky I somehow attract really great people who then like meet with each other and do really great things. So speaking of that, you know, this show is all about obviously sharing knowledge and value with people out there widely in the talent development community. And I want to talk today about Sort of building your LD team and influence in more startup type situations where you have a lot of experience. Before we get there,
1: maybe you can just share a little bit of your background and, and what you're doing today. Sure. So I have been doing learning and development work for the past 15 years, but my past five organizations, I've actually been the very first learning and development hire for the organization and have helped scale that team and that work across the business. And what I currently do is. The same thing here at Gem, we are a software organization based out of San Francisco. And so much of what I'm focused on right now is, and I think this is true to kind of working in a startup environment, but really, really deeply understanding the needs of the business. And especially in a hyper growth tech space, especially when we're dealing with so much like macroeconomic uncertainty, especially when we're dealing with, you know, kind of larger workforce trends in terms of, you know, Mm. more millennials and Gen Xers and Gen Zers in the workforce and generational differences and what they prioritize in the workplace experience. What I found to be the most important thing for me is being very agile as an individual Mm. and, and being able to adapt to the situation and understand the needs of different stakeholders in the business more broadly. Yeah, no doubt,
0: especially when you're working in such a fast moving part of, you know, the industry in, in with these tech startups. Yeah, I'm curious, we usually save trends for our bonus Q&A, but as you, as you think about that, what are some bigger like macro economic type trends that you're following right now that you think are, you know, that are impactful to the workforce, to talent
1: development at large? Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest one is more and more the importance of learning and development is- reaching the the top levels of the organization. Hmm. I think historically learning and development was seen as like a training body, right? Or a compliance body. And more and more, so as an example, like the World Economic Forum, they did a study on the future of jobs in 2020. And one of the things they addressed in that study was the top 15 skills executives identified for 2025, looking forward. Hmm. Number two on that list is actually active learning and learning strategies. Hmm. Interesting. And to me, that speaks so much about how the value of L&D, which is traditionally seen as a cost center, but now being seen as more of a strategic investment and a strategic priority for the organization.
0: Yeah. Well, you mentioned generations earlier, Gen Z, millennials, et cetera. I feel like I see that as a kind of a sign of the times and generational changes because what I hear when I look at the data and talk to people about engagement surveys and whatnot is that more and more those younger generations, younger millennials, and especially Gen Z, the number one thing they want is learning and growth, right? They want to know when they come into a new position, how can I, how will I grow in this role? I'm probably not going to be here forever, right? How am I going to grow in this role?
1: That's exactly right. And, and especially where I work in the tech sector, right, where the average tenure is, you know, roughly two years Mm. in any given organization, that's what everyone's looking for. They view everything as being, you know, a stepping stone in their career path. And, You're more likely to have people that stay a little bit longer and contribute a little bit more if you're able to give them clear pathways for growth Mm. versus if you're just trying to hold on to people. Like, I've long for a long time, I've held this philosophy that it's better to let go of someone a little bit earlier and them having a good experience in your organization Mm. than holding on to them too long and then Mm. leaving with a bad taste in their mouth.
0: Yeah, because chances are they might go write something about you on Glassdoor, right? And everybody's worried about that now too. What are people going to say? So, you know, brand, uh, hiring brand, employee brand is important. I hear a lot these days about boomerangs too, people coming back, right? Because I think there's a factor, you know, we've heard about the great resignation and that sort of stuff the grass is always greener. Like people like, ah, you know, I kind of want to check other things out. I see my friends moving around, take another job. And then like, ah, maybe that wasn't so good. Maybe I want to go back. And so you want to treat them well, let them go and then maybe invite them back if they were a talented worker.
1: Yeah. That reminds me of a quote, the sweet ain't as sweet without the bitter. Hmm. Context. That's yeah. That's an important thing for people to experience, especially earlier career people who have uh, a lot of aptitude and potential that they can experience a really good workplace with a great team, a great culture, great career opportunities. But to your point, the grass can always be greener, right? They can be looking at other organizations being like, wow, like I want to be there. Like, and then they get there and they realize, oh, what I thought existed here was actually just a picture to bring me in. And what actually exists here is not as good.
0: Yeah. So if you've never had a really bad boss or you haven't worked in a toxic culture, you should go seek that out, right? Just to get that experience so that you can appreciate more what you have. So Tom, I want to talk to you. This is is probably a good opportunity to transition to, you know, you have worked in a few different organizations, particularly tech startups where L&D is is new and you're kind of trying to figure this out, navigate these waters and create the L&D department brand within the organization. You mentioned one of your strengths is really around assessing needs, which is really important for that. So what if you could walk me through, like, what's your approach to starting a new L&D role, especially...
1: With an organization that maybe hasn't had a, a learning and development department before yeah i love this topic and i think one of the most important things the way i think about it the doing a needs analysis is maybe a little bit different than others i i think about it less about doing a traditional like learning needs analysis but actually doing a business needs analysis okay because from my perspective when you are building something new when you're new into an organization the best way to scale your impact is to align yourself with the goals of the organization, right? So by understanding where the challenges are that the business is facing as a whole or even pockets of the business are facing and then demonstrating impact in those specific areas or challenge areas, then you're building credibility, trust, and buy-in, which then can follow resourcing and opportunity and more engagement, participation, all of those types of things as well.
0: Yeah, I want to repeat what you said there. The best way to scale your impact is to align yourself with the goals of the organization. This is absolutely huge. It's a drum I've been beating for a long time. I, I'm, unfortunately, I think a lot of L&D people fall a little bit short here. So can you add some more color? How, what's your approach? How do you make sure that you are understanding the needs of the organization, the strategy, et cetera, when you come into a new company?
1: Yeah, I mean, the first thing I do is traditionally we'll conduct a listening tour, right? Meeting with various stakeholders across the business from leaders all the way down to frontline individual contributors, getting a good pulse of the challenges that people face and the gaps that exist in across different groups, right? So the leaders may have an assessment of, this is a big challenge. And then if you talk to the frontline people, they could see, identify something completely different. Mm-hmm. And so you can act as a conduit to help bridge that gap or you can help to clarify, right? Once I conduct that listening tour, then I start to prioritize within that and establish, okay, what of everything that I'm hearing are things that are addressable by my own skills and capabilities? And then what are the things that I think will have the um, greatest impact on the business overall? So as an example of one of the organizations I joined um, early on, rather than me working on more broader L&D initiatives, the first thing I worked on was actually our uh, enablement for our sales team because mm. figured, hey, if I can help drive revenue, top line revenue, yeah, then it's gonna be a lot easier for me to build that trust and credibility. And I did that intentionally because to be quite frank, when I first had my sit down with the the CEO of the company, I think he did it a little bit as a challenge, but he said, you know, to be honest, in my experience, I've never I don't think I've ever experienced an effective LD Ooh. organization. Yeah. Right. And that's a little bit of a, oh, there's a gut punch right Pressure, out the gate, Pressure's right? on, buddy. Proof exactly. And, and so, you know, for me, I was out to prove that, hey, not only am I going to prove the value of learning and development and talent mm-hmm. development with the organization, but I'm going to prove to you that that I can do this at whatever scale is needed, right, yeah. whether it's at the individual team or org level. Right. And, and so where I identified that the focus of the business was most needed was around driving revenue. Right. And so that's where I spent the first part of my tenure, had a huge impact there. And then immediately bought, you know, had a lot of trust and credibility with the entire leadership team after that.
0: Right. Yeah. So, and I'm sure you you had that discussion with him and with others about hey, what's most important? What are the biggest objectives and challenges right now? Where can I maybe add value? On the sales front, you know, revenue is obviously. Very important for every organization out there, but in startups especially, like we've got to start bringing in money, right, to pay for everything that's going on, and yet I feel like a lot of LND people shy away from the sales enablement side of things. You know, sales can be intimidating. Haven't worked in sales before. How did you approach that to figure out how you can help on the sales enablement side?
1: Yeah, first started with having some really really hard conversations mm. with some of the leaders on the team. Um, so when I first uh, was working with that team, the like division leader for that team, kind of frankly told me like, I don't know why you're here. Hmm. <laughs> I don't know why you're working with us. And so I had to have some hard conversations and you have to be willing to lean into those conversations of, hey, I'm here to support you. I'm here to set you up for success, right? I have a lot of skills in my tool belt that probably don't exist on your team. And this isn't a punitive right assignment. this is an assignment to help you succeed right, and accelerate your your success. And then after having some of those harder conversations with that leader and some of his directs and some of the managers on the team uh, was able to build some trust with them and then started uh, building out some programming to serve their needs, identifying what was happening. And to be quite frankly, what was happening was everyone was working completely in a silo. The reps didn't have, didn't share any best practices. They were working in a, a pretty uncharted space in terms of their sales model. And so figuring out how we can implement some more social learning uh practices so that they could benefit from the learnings that each rep was having on every one of their interactions with with potential clients.
0: Yeah. I can almost imagine you in that situation kind of like uh, taking the approach of like you're not going to intimidate me. I'm not going to go away. I'm going to keep coming back and asking you questions and eventually I'm going to have something for you that you you know you're not going to be able to ignore because it's going to
1: bring a lot of value to you and and then you eventually prove yourself. That's right. And and to be honest he was that leader was particularly hands off because he didn't know how to work with LD. and so I said, you know what, I'm going to prove it by working with your team. We're the ones that are actually driving revenue. And then once I was able to demonstrate that he was like, he was wanting more. He was coming to me, asking for more. Hmm. He was looking for one-on-one engagements with me to help him level up how he leads his team because yeah. they were now rowing in the same direction in a way they had never been before. Right. And as the, as the captain of that ship, he needed to be aligned with the directions that I was giving their team on, on how to row together.
0: Right. Oh, that's really cool. So now you've proved yourself and he's like, no, no, no. Okay. Now come on back. Let's, let's do more work together. When it comes to assessing needs, I would imagine, especially after you've proven yourself, you start to get a lot of requests from leaders, right? Hey, can you come create this training on negotiations or on this, this or that X, Y, Z? How do you then assess what's most important, what's necessary, what's maybe not training. You know, in our community, we have, we talk a lot about taking a consultative approach to learning, right? Not being reactionary. So how do you make sure that you're responding to the right things in the right way? Yeah.
1: Again, it comes down to understanding the needs of the business, right? Uh, You're going to have a lot of people who are, I've had historically, once you demonstrate impact, you're right, you get flooded with requests, right? Different leaders across the business, different individuals across the business, reaching out, wanting an engagement of some sort from my end, it's about having a clear set of priorities that are tied back to the priorities of the business and over communicating, right? Like instead of just saying, I'd love to work with you. I can't prioritize at this time, like being really thoughtful and transparent around your communication and saying, here are the lists of things that are on my roadmap. Here's why those are the priorities for me and the organization. And here's where I think that this can either fit in or here's here's maybe a much lower lift way in which I can provide you some sort of temporary solution for the challenge that you're facing. Got it.
0: Have you gotten to a point where you feel like the demand is big enough, you could make an impact if you had more help and you've kind of proven yourself enough that you can go then maybe to whichever leader is appropriate and say, Hey, it's time for us to grow our team. We want to hire more people in LD.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And so much of that is honestly contingent upon the leaders that you're working with. Mm. Um, In my experience, it's a lot on your, your HR leader, your, your finance leader, and then even the CEO, right? If they see the value, then that advocacy is going to be much easier, right? It's, it's not going to be as challenging. Um, So I try to kind of align my priorities with not only that of the business, but that in which is going to enable me to build my influence. Mm. Right. So as in going back to the enablement work that I was doing, like I knew that was top of mind for the CEO. Right. There were other areas of the business, such as like our operations and support division, which could have utilized a ton of my work for just overall efficiency and onboarding and training and those types of things. But realizing that was going to help me get the resources needed to address those other areas of the business. I chose to prioritize that one first.
0: Yeah. I I feel like it's a good bet to prioritize the CEO's top priority, right? If you want to get that influence and and make an impact, get some attention. Speaking of influence, I I feel like this is always a hot topic for us in L&D and the think tank community. We talk about how do you gain more influence with stakeholders? What else have you done to gain influence, to really understand the business? Um, And by the way, you talked about going on a listening tour. I know you mostly work in startups. For those out there who maybe work for publicly traded companies, there's a lot more information out there, right? You can start to dig into financials. I know those can be intimidating. Maybe you can get help, right? Ask somebody, hey, walk me through this latest earnings report because I want to know what's going on with the company. You don't necessarily have access to that in a startup, but what else do you do to try to
1: understand the business and and gain that influence? Yeah, I I think honestly, it, it comes down to targeting your approach or customizing your approach based on who you're trying to influence. So as an example, I recently was advocating for a pretty significant investment in our manager enablement programming. And this was coming at a time, you know, a few months ago when really you were starting to see this like cascade of of layoffs in the tech sector and, you know, cutbacks of hiring, freezings of hiring, layoff, like all the things that were happening in the tech sector. And here I am going out advocating for a bunch of money, Mm -hmm. right? When we were already taking some of those cost cutting measures internally, knowing that, you know my primary decision maker that I need to influence at that time was going to be our CFO. My traditional method would be to put together more of a presentation and so on around the program and and why the investment is important. But knowing that the CV, CFO and that probably wouldn't resonate as well as asking her to, you know, for a one-on-one in which I'm giving a, a presentation, I wrote up, a, a took kind of more of the Amazon approach, wrote up, You know, a six page memo had all this research and documentation around ROI and things to validate the investment from a finance perspective. And and to
0: just interrupt, for those that don't know, at Amazon, the, the system that was put in place by Jeff Bezos is basically that everybody shows up to a meeting. Before the meeting, you send everybody a write up of what you're trying to get across so that the meeting is just used to discuss that information, not present new information.
1: That's right. And I think they've even banned presentations. Like they don't Mm -hmm. allow PowerPoint at Amazon. Everything has to be written because the theory, and I I believe this, is it helps to clarify thinking. Yeah. And you're forced to write things versus just present them in a a slide deck.
0: So so you Um, took that approach with the CFO rather than trying to go in and present and use your presentation skills to influence.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Knowing that I wasn't going to be able to do as much of the inspirational, you know, the the yeah. pomp and circumstance around kind of presentations yeah. that sometimes can be put together when you're advocating for a, a cause, but taking a really first principles approach of like, what is the current state of our business? Why is this a challenge that we're facing? And then what is going to be the return on investment? And what are our options here for levels of investment? Right. So giving the real business case, but the giving optionality based on what they view as the appropriate level of investment. Because they know the, the larger macroeconomic kind of status of the organization.
0: COVID 19 pandemic and 2020 changed everything in business and talent development. Almost overnight, companies were forced to figure out how to engage their employees remotely and run their development programs virtually. Luckily, Advantage Performance Group has been running a webinar series and releasing free resources throughout the last year and beyond. Advantage is a proud sponsor of the Talent Development Hot Seat. known for creating, learning, and consulting solutions that equip individuals, teams, and organizations to be the best at what they do. Advantage helps leaders lead, sellers sell, and businesses flourish. To join our webinar series and find more of our free resources, just head on over to AdvantagePerformance.com. That's AdvantagePerformance.com. Yeah. And what's the real impact of doing nothing, right? If we do nothing, we will continue to operate, right? But you're going to have some managers leave, some managers that are treating their employees poorly or not having career conversations, whatever it may be. And here's the economic impact of that.
1: Yeah. Love that. Absolutely.
0: When it comes to like creating programs, right? That that you want people to go through because for, for their own learning and development, we talked about how people especially in the younger generations are hungry for learning and development they want to know how they're going to grow but the the flip side and sort of the juxtaposition of that is that people are really busy right and and mm-hmm. you know startups are famous for people working yeah. 60 80 100 hours a week doing a multiple jobs and sometimes for people in those positions, the idea of, hey, take a few hours out of your week to go do learning and development is almost like ludicrous, right? Even to, especially for salespeople. So how do you then convince people that it's important that it's worthwhile
1: to take time for learning when they have so many demands on their time? Yeah. I mean, I think there's, there's, you have to take a multi-pronged approach. So I think it starts first with mindset. Mm. Right. And the the quote I'm often drawn to and share when I'm talking about this and trying to shift mindset is one from Abraham Lincoln, where he says, give me six hours to chop down a tree. I'll spend the first four sharpening my eggs. Mm-hmm. This idea that if you are really sharpening your skills, you're going to be that much more effective and when whenever you go to apply them. Right. But I also adhere to the 70 2010 concept within L&D that says 70% of your learning comes from on the job right? From doing the actual work, 20% comes from your, from social learning, from your peers, mentors and network. And then 10% comes from formalized learning experiences, mm. right? You have to be pretty humble to adopt that model as an LD practitioner, because you're saying at best, I'm going to be responsible for 10% of your learning, right? With the things that I have the most direct control over. And so I found that displaying that humility and that deep understanding of that people have competing priorities for yeah. their time. And that time is our most valuable asset. But if they're able to partition some of that time and invest it in their own growth and development, that's where you see compounding gains. That's where you're going to see the long-term benefits of your growth and, and career and opportunities and all the things that come with getting better at your job yeah
0: and and having empathy right for the people that are going through that but also showing them the importance of it i love that quote from abraham lincoln i often share the the story about you know lumberjacks chopping wood in in keynotes that i do in sessions to you know convince people like hey you need to take time right? It, it's never an urgent thing, but it's always important that you take time and it's going to pay off in the long run. Otherwise you might fall behind, right? You won't be as productive. That's right. Something that you mentioned to me before that you use in your L&D practice is design thinking. And I don't think we've had many conversations about that on this show, I'm sure many of our listeners are somewhat familiar with design thinking. I've used design thinking in a few different workshops I've run over the years. And I think, I know it's a really useful and really cool concept if you do it right, but you know, a lot of people don't have a full grasp of it. How, how have you used design thinking in, in your work in l Yeah,
1: oh my gosh, I love design thinking so much. <laughs> One, my favorite thing about design thinking is that it starts from empathy, Mm. right? You're empathizing with your, your users, with your customers, with your stakeholders, whoever they may be. It starts from a place of empathy. And if you're starting from that place, you're always going to be in a better position than when you're starting from your point of view, right? And the thing that I found to be most helpful is the exploration and design thinking essentially is an exercise in diverging and converging, of going out wide, collecting broad right? A set of ideas, options, opportunities, and so on. And then using your understanding of the business, the people, the stakeholders to converge and narrow down your solution to figure out what's going to be most relevant. I find that it enhances creativity, innovation, and it also enhances buy-in, right? So much of the way I've implemented design thinking is with my stakeholders. It's not me doing it by myself. Hmm. It's I'm going to involve you in this process. You are a designer. You're going to help us design this program. Now let's go through these exercises of exercises of diverging, thinking about all the different options, thinking about the different programmatic elements, thinking about the different stakeholders, and then let's converge on a solution and agree upon it. And I'm sure you know this as well as anyone else, like people are going to have so much more buy-in when they've played a part in designing. Right. Yeah. They
0: they feel like they've they've got stakes, you know, in, in the solution. I learned that back in my consulting days that you want to get the executives involved in designing the solution so that You know when it comes out, they're excited about it. At the very least, they can't go, "What is this garbage? This is crap, right?" You're like, "Well, you were in the meeting and you, you helped design this thing, or we at least invited you. You didn't come. Makes a big difference versus just rolling something out that they had nothing to do with, and then they're a lot more likely to poke holes in it. That's right. And so when you talk about involving uh, stakeholders in design thinking. Are you actually like scheduling like a two hour session? You're saying, Hey, we're going to do this design thinking exercise. I want, you know, these people to come and, and then you're kind of walking them through the process.
1: That's right. That's exactly right. So as an example, I've done this at a couple of different organizations. I'm going to kick this off soon at Gem, but we're going to be designing uh, a set of like a uh, manager standards or manager expectations. These are kind of the core behaviors that we, ex- that we hold for anyone who holds people management responsibilities. Now these are honestly kind of a dime a dozen. Like you can put in a quick Google search and find a ton of examples of this. And a lot of them are very relevant and very, you know, practical. But I think the important thing is having something that is that speaks to the the language and the leadership of your culture and your organization. And that's why, you know, we're handpicking a select working group of of leaders from across different levels and teams in the organization. And I'm going to be facilitating this exercise with them to come up with something that is unique to the organization. And again, because they're, they will have had a hand in this, and we have a broad representation across the business. We feel like the buy-in and the execution of this is going to be so much easier than if it's just a top down of like here i i created this in my own in my office and i'm going to you know force every manager to be held accountable to these standards yeah
0: that always goes well <laughs> <laughs> right uh, on that note actually something i wanted to ask you about we didn't talk about this ahead of time but you mentioned you know diversity of thought and something that's that's working for a lot of different people how do you think about incorporating dei into the work you do in talent development so that programs you create are inclusive of most, if not all people in your organization?
1: Yeah. Yeah. This one is, I'm very fortunate because I have a great DEI and B leader in our organization who is an amazing partner who actually comes from an organizational design and psychology Mm -hmm. background. And so getting her involved and shout out to Shalisha, she happens to listen to this, getting her involved in, in my programs is, it adds so much value and she's able to illuminate so many blind spots and biases that exist and again it takes humility right to be open to those types of conversations mm-hmm. but i find that the juice is so much more worth the squeeze so yeah. to speak that i get i get way more out of it right
0: yeah yeah you're right that is, it is challenge it's difficult right because you're like what do you mean i don't have any bias in my programs right i care deeply about this but why not bring in the experts I was working with a client recently, you know, have a training program from the, the content of my book, teaching people how to own their careers and working with a software company recently. They said, Hey, we want to have our DEI people go through your content and make sure that it's inclusive. And, and my reaction is like, of course it's inclusive, everybody. Like I designed it that way, but I had to say like, yeah, go for it. And I, I welcome your feedback. If you find something, let me know. So we can change it. Right. That's, that's how we get yeah.
1: better. Yeah. And it takes humility to open yourself up for those conversations, but I've always found that the, The ROI is so much higher on my side. Like I learn so much and I end up getting better at how I think about things, how I design things, how I execute things based on that feedback. Yeah, absolutely. When you think
0: about talent development more broadly and and kind of you're sort of listening a lot to the needs of the organization. You're inventing a lot of these new solutions using design thinking. Is there anything that's been like new or popping up for you? New things that you've been doing that you think are would be interesting for for others to learn about?
1: I think a, a big thing, and this has come up on the Think Tank a couple of times, but I think a big thing that I'm personally working on that I think is is adding a lot of value as I continue to grow my skills in this area is actually marketing. Mm. Right? I, th- I think the marketing of L&D programs is a, a sorely underutilized skill set in our space. I, I think a lot of L and D practitioners come from an academic or theoretical place. But you know, like many tech companies, you can have a great product, but if you don't know how to affect it, it you know, right. effectively market it, you, you're not gonna gain Doesn't the market matter. you should yeah. have.
0: Right. Yeah. It Doesn't matter. Right. You you gotta get people about it. But I remember we we did a session on this at our retreat earlier this year. And the remarks from others in the room were like Oh, I don't do enough of this, right? Yeah, we don't do any of this and no wonder people don't show up for my programs and uh, that's kind of an exaggeration, but it's it's just as important and it's kind of an afterthought
1: sometimes. That's right. And and I would even say that if you're a highly effective marketer, you can actually slide a little bit on your program's design right you know what i mean you don't need as high fidelity of a program if you're a highly effective marketer it, again it depends on what your goals are that you've set forth for the program but if some of your metrics that you're assessing are engagement participation right mm-hmm. that kind of thing your marketing is going to have a bigger influence on it than the actual like instructional design of the program
0: yeah people get excited about it coming in right and that impacts how they feel about the program overall well, speaking of marketing and influence, Tom, I know that this session is, is certainly going to have an influence on people who are listening. We shared a lot of great information and value today. If anybody wants to reach out and get in touch with you, maybe to ask you more questions, what would be the best way to do that? Is it LinkedIn or something else?
1: Yeah, LinkedIn. I'm I'm happy to connect with other, other practitioners in the space on LinkedIn.
0: All right. Make sure you reach out to Tom. Let him know that you heard him on the Talent Development Hot Seat. And stay tuned because we're going to do another session with Tom, our bonus Q&A round forward to talking to you more then. Sounds good. All right, that will do it for my conversation with Tom Bowen from GEM. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. I feel like it was a gem. We covered a lot of great ground, especially around this areas of influence and assessing needs. And this is, I, I believe, either a hot topic or needs to be a hot topic in the LD community. It all starts with appropriately and effectively assessing the needs of your organization, your people. And that starts with understanding the objectives, the strategy, the financials, things that a lot of L&D people are intimidated to jump into. But you know, because you listen to this podcast, that you absolutely need to do those things. You need to take the time to dive into some of the reports, to conduct a listening tour, as Tom calls it, to get really curious and learn as much as you can from other people and hear what they are struggling with. The reason that I know so much about talent development and career development is simply because I've interviewed a lot of people and asked a lot of questions. I haven't actually worked in your position, and yet I know a lot because I've asked a lot of people a lot of questions, I just got really curious. And that is the place to start. I believe curiosity is the number one most important characteristic or skill that will lead to success in your career in learning and development, or anything else, something that I fully embrace and I hope you will as well. If you're looking for more career advice, by the way, stay tuned. In a couple of days, we'll be releasing my bonus Q&A episode with Tom, where we'll talk about his proudest moments, his biggest mistakes in his career, trends and challenges that he's following, and his advice for those of us in L&D. And if, by the way, if you didn't catch it at the top of the episode, Tom is a longtime member of our Talent Development Think Tank membership community. It's the number one community out there for people in talent development or learning and development to stay up on the latest trends, to learn what other people are working on and doing, to connect with other great people in the community and really take their career to the next level. As Tom said, it's been absolutely really valuable for him in his career over the last couple of years. And I know it would be for you, but like with anything you get out of it, what you put into it. So if you're going to join, you got to make sure that you lean in and you come connect with people. And if you've been on the fence, come check us out, reach out to me, See, uh, let me know you want to join a call or just sign up and, and come join. There are no commitments. Uh, we do calls every Wednesday at noon Eastern time. We often have guest speakers. And in fact. Tom will be our guest speaker next Wednesday. We're going to be talking about influencing stakeholders. But instead of presenting, which you know people do on webinars and other places, we often have discussions in our community. We ask people to really jump in and share their experiences and ask questions. So if you want to ask questions about that, come join us because Tom's going to be speaking soon. We have some other great speakers lined up for the rest of the year. Our website, if you want to find out more information, is tdtt.us. That's tdtt.us, as in Talent Development Think Tank. So we would love for you to come, check out the community, go and come engage with people, listen to what we have going on, and then hopefully you will stay and get a lot of value from it as well because I'm all about helping everybody up their game in talent development. Our podcast is also sponsored by Advantage Performance Group. Advantage is a professional services firm dedicated to providing a continuous stream of creative learning and consulting solutions that equip individuals, teams, and organizations to be the best at what they do. They've got tons of great learning solutions, both free solutions on their website and effective experiential learning, interactive solutions that you can bring into your organizations on leadership development, sales enablement, and so many other things. And you can find out more information by going to their website, advantageperformance.com. All right. Thank you again for listening. I appreciate you. And I will talk to you next time. Thanks again for listening to the Talent Development Hot Seat.